When you hear the phrase first-gen American, what comes to mind? Oscar Velasquez, a first-generation American, wants to enlighten your mind to everyday life as a first-gen in today's America. There is a perception in today's society, and Oscar is going to dive in and dissect the reality of being a first-gen. Join Oscar and his guests from all walks of life, discussing their trial and tribulations in today's America. Now your host, Oscar Velasquez. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of First Gen American. I'm your host, Oscar Velasquez. Hope everybody's staying safe. Today, our special guest, Wilmer Infante, here a local native from Nashua. Uh, Wilmer is the son of Dominican parents who arrived here in Nashua in the 80s. He's, uh, he's grown up here in Nashua, New Hampshire, and has worked within our community at Triangle Credit Union. He currently works on his own podcast within uh, Triangle Credit Union, making finance, uh, finances personal. Making money personal. Making money <laughs> personal. Okay. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. Wilmer. Thank you. Hey, man. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we had an opportunity to touch base a little bit about... Uh, your background and what you were doing. I know that we've um, we've known each other for a, a really long time now, and uh, it's it's great to see um, it's great to see your progression and what you're doing and educating our community about finances. Um, Thank you, man. Appreciate it. So uh, let me let me ask you real quick. Um, let me talk talk to us a little bit about growing in the natural community and uh, with Dominican parents and yeah. at the time. Yeah. So. As you mentioned, I was born right here in Nashville, down the street, actually. Nice, nice. Uh, what was Memorial Hospital at the time. So I was uh, born here and uh, growing up, my sister and I with uh, with our parents, um, my sister and I actually have different fathers. Okay. So that was, um, you know, she, she, we, she grew up in our household right. uh, with my mom and my dad. And it was it was a good time. Um, a lot of, a lot of um, showing me, you know, their culture, you know, yeah. I, 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 technically I'm American, okay. Um, but I, I, I have the Dominican blood in me, you know. Hey. So um, I'm definitely familiar with everything growing up um, in the Dominican culture. So it was, uh, it was a lot of good food and all that good stuff. Um, so <laughs> nice, nice, yeah. nice. So I know that um, growing up, you you grew up here at the time in the early 80s and and 90s the yeah. population for Hispanics was was really about yeah. less than 2%. Yeah, yeah. We were actually one of the in I believe one of the first um Hispanic families in the community of Nashua. Wow. Um it, it wasn't until later in the 90s where you started seeing that um influx in in the Spanish community. Nice. And now I mean you go down, you know, the tree streets and it's a lot of Hispanics and it's a lot of different cultures too. It's not just Dominicans now. Right. Um so the the community, uh the Hispanic community has definitely grown in Nashua. Uh-huh. Um it's beautiful to see. Yeah. Um Nashua has been in my opinion, um I haven't really had any instances where I can say I ever felt too uncomfortable to be Hispanic. Right. Um, I was educated in the national public schools and, you know, I, it was, it was definitely, I got out of it what I put into it right. is what I want to, want to say there. So, so tell me a little bit about that. Like being the first Hispanic, um, community, uh, families within that community. Tell me a little bit about how was it, you know, not seeing a familiar face in, in the yeah. national public school system. And then, yeah. you know, the transition, because you speak really good Spanish. Yep. So how did your parents establish, you know, don't forget Spanish, you know, yep. even though, you know, you For have sure. your, your friends at school. Yeah. How did they establish? For sure. So, I mean, I actually took ESL classes um, okay. at Amherst Street School. Shout out to them. Okay. Um, love that school. Um, so I, I think it was kindergarten, first, second grade, mm-hmm. maybe even third grade. Yeah. You know, I remember the ESL, ESL teacher would come and get me from my regular classroom right. and take me to another classroom right. with a couple other Spanish kids, um, and we would learn English. Okay. And, you know, I again, I only did it for a few years. I, it seems like I picked it up pretty well. Um, and being that one of the only Spanish kids in my classroom, yeah. or my school really, it wasn't, it was... I was definitely scared. Like, for example, I'd bring the weird lunches, you know, <laughs> like 
Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't uh, say weird. It smells good, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they're, they don't know that, you right, know, right, they yeah. don't, they don't know the culture. So, yeah. um, and I didn't want what the school cafeteria was going to be right, offering, right. you know, so I would bring my own lunch and you know, that wasn't a tradi- traditional American cuisine, you know? Right, yeah. So that was probably one of the, one of the minor instances where I was just uncomfortable to embrace, to show my culture, yeah. you know, and, and be myself. But you know, you know what's crazy is that at a young age, how how much has changed within the last twenty to thirty years within our community? Like you were afraid, in Nashville specifically, exactly. Yeah, yes, yeah. you were afraid to bring um, a Spanish cuisine at school. Yeah, being the first Dominican family yeah, here, right? And now the most thriving restaurants, yeah, are the Dominican restaurants right. within our community. Right. That I mean, yesterday we were um, we were driving by Cibao Kitchen. And there was a line outside. Yep. And, As uh, usual. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. And um, it, it's crazy to see the transition and, and the progress right. within our community. And um, what a humbling experience. Tell me a little bit about um, your finances. Like growing up, like because I know that we were t- touching base a little bit about this. Yeah. Um, when you first come to the United States, yeah. how... You're, you're, I mean, we don't have the luxury of coming in jets with million dollars yep, and establishing sure. businesses and, and saying, let me buy this home and this is the school system that my kids yeah. are going to go to. It's more about the, com- the community that is accepting yep. um, the immigrants that are coming in and helping them and, and establishing them yeah. uh, for a better future. How was, <clears throat> you know, being the first family, how was financial talk at a young age for you growing up? You know, that's interesting. Um, I was definitely blessed with two awesome parents who came here and worked. You know, they they worked. I remember coming home from school and my mom wouldn't get home till seven o'clock at night. And she I remember that she went to work prior to me going to school. So she was up way earlier. She got into work at six, seven o'clock in the morning and she wouldn't come home till seven o'clock at night. And anyone who knows Nashua, Nashua's not that big and she worked in Nashua. Mm-hmm. So her job was 10 minutes away, if mm-hmm. that. So, you know, that she was working the entire time. Right. It's not like she was traveling or commuting mm-hmm. anywhere too far to, to get to work. So that was, you know, at a young age, I picked up on that. I'm like, you know, wow, my, my mom is a hard worker and so is my father. My father has been at his, the same company. And by the way, they were both in, um, manufacturing factory workers, um, which is, you know, one of those stigmas, you know, they they work in factories Mm -hmm. and, you know, they do, they're the laborers, you know, and my dad is still there to to this day. My mom is thankfully retired, you know, so, um, my, my dad, he's still there. He works, he punches the clock. Uh, one of the hardest workers I know, man, I can't ever think of a time where he has taken a day off. Um, he can be sick. He can, I mean, now with today, you know, if you're sick, you, you know, you're, you're not allowed to go to work, you right. know, but, um, different times, different times for sure. But, um, before, before all this, I mean, he never took a day off. Like it was just a rare thing, mm-hmm. even for doctor's appointments. He just wouldn't go to the doctors. He'll, yeah. he'll figure out a way, you know? That's and the, yeah, that's so. the, um, that's the mentality. Yeah. We're going to make yeah, it to sure. America. We're going to work, 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 work for sure. Making sure that we provide everything for the children. Yep. And that's where I want to kind of, emphasize that not everybody that comes because i mean the, you, you have family members that do come and and and, and grab and, and help mm-hmm. you know the utilize those city fund um helps that they have you like know resources yeah resources yep. and some people stay rickrolled to that yeah for sure um it's one of those things where you definitely if, if you need it if you need the assistance by all means right. you know take it. If you need it, if you need it to survive, if you need it to eat, if you need it to pay rent, mm-hmm. absolutely. But your mission, your your mentality should should be mm-hmm. to get out of that that cycle. Yeah. It should be to progress. Exactly. It should be to a temporary solution. You know, some it's a temporary solution to a t- to hopefully a temporary problem. Right. Um so your goal should be to you know, get the assistance if that's what you need. Right. And figure out a way to get yourself off of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I can de- definitely speak for myself. I was a young dad. My wife and I, um, you know, we 
we didn't need too much assistance, but right. we definitely looked for it if we ever needed it. And right. thankfully, like I said, I have two awesome parents. She has two awesome parents herself. And whenever we needed any assistance, they would mm-hmm. certainly step in and, and, and help us out. Right. Um, and, you know, that's just one of those things where we're completely blessed for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were, I was always, and my wife as well, we were always like, okay, how can we do this ourselves? Right. How can we get to that, that next step in the ladder? Um, and that's, I mean, in my opinion, that's what life should be about. Absolutely. Just progressing Absolutely. as much as you can. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's my stance on that. And we were, and we were talking a little bit about this, um, you know, as Hispanics, sometimes we yeah. fall, um, we fall into that stigma for sure. And not all individuals within our community, but let, let's, I want to focus in a little bit about this. Um, we were talking about a scenario where you have individuals that you know that are in public housing, yep. that are that are comfortable with that allowance, that monthly allowance. Yeah, you know the 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 city is paying for your rent. Yeah, yeah, you're getting help from X amount of incomes from the state. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you're pulling into a, a project housing in a 2020 um, Toyota Camry. Yeah, yeah, you know and. This is the this is the problem with the disconnect is that we get accustomed to that help. Yep. That we don't know how to evolve or step because we're so comfortable and say, listen, I can go get a job, but if I calculate the income that this job is giving me plus the income that I'm getting from the assistance that I'm getting, mm-hmm. then I'm gonna lose all of that. I'm gonna have less than I had before. Right. And I have to start all over. Yeah. So in that aspect, where do we teach our community and financial responsibility and at what age does it start? As early as you can. Um, and as far as what do we teach them? I mean, it's hard because a lot of the individuals that come here from different countries, not right. just Latin America, yeah, yeah. not just the Caribbean, yeah. um, you know, they, their English is their second language. Right. So for, in order for them to progress and to you know, get off the, the assistance, you know, I I would say the first step is try to learn English as best as you can. Um, it's not, it doesn't have to be perfect, Mm -hmm. but just enough to get by and then work from there. I mean, I know there's so many examples of individuals that I know personally who have come here from different countries who speak the language perfectly. And there's a lot of individuals who don't speak it as well, but have made significant Progress, uh, the progress in their life, right. whether it's through finances, purchasing their home, starting mm-hmm. a business. Um, it's just, it, it's beautiful to see, you know, mm-hmm. to see your own people progress. Right. Um, so I would definitely say try your best to learn the language as best as you can. Mm-hmm. Get the education. Focus on what you want to become. If mm-hmm. you want to be a business owner, maybe take some, you know, a couple business classes, yeah. you know, at the community college. Um, and just try to progress as best as you can. I see a lot of, you know, you were talking about learning the language, but also from the other side, as a community that is growing within the last 30 years, you were born and raised here and and watching the community grow. And the reason I relate to the Hispanic community is because I connect with the Hispanic community a little bit more. And there are different cultures that are evolving to Cambodians, Portuguese, et cetera, et cetera. Um, The disconnect would be that I think that the, community there's still more opportunity i've had guests come in and say you know i had a guest uh famina from uh, bridges and she said that there's still a lack of communication connecting with immigrants especially within the hispanic community yeah and i noticed that the thing that connects with me the most is that you work for triangle credit union yeah you know and ever since we moved here from new york i remember my family that's the bank to go to yeah. within that community because yeah. of a familiar face like you or any family members that work there that connects because we were talking about this again and we were saying if you go to a big corporate bank there's lack of representation at the time yeah. that now they're doing much better because they see they For sure. sometimes you you get forced within the times and you yeah. have to evolve have to and adjust, change yeah. exactly so it is humbling to have and to see that my mother can go into a community bank for the people by the people yeah that is focusing on connecting and not yeah. and not just throwing money into an account blindsided right. and right. hopefully that you know they don't get hacked or scammed yep. or they get billed twice and then yep. all of a yep. sudden say um excuse me how i can't I communicate this? how do i fix this yeah 
you working at a bank, you, yep. you first you started off as a teller, teller, yeah. right? When you have that that Hispanic or whatever culture is coming into the bank and they're looking around and you see maybe four to five tellers that are Caucasian mm-hmm. or white and you have that one Hispanic. They'll wait. They'll wait. Oh my right? God. I, I, I can tell you many stories yeah. where I was that, you know, in, at Triangle, I didn't really have that problem too many often because right. they've done such a good job at diversifying our workforce. Right. But that let's let's just an example. Uh-huh. Let's say there was two Hispanics on the yeah. teller line. I was one of them. Right. The other one went to lunch. Uh-huh. If someone came in right when that person went into lunch that uh-huh. doesn't speak English and yeah. spoke Spanish, and there's a line on a Friday, uh-huh. like there typically would be, yeah. that person will wait the entire and, until I get through to come see me right. or wait for the individual who just went to lunch. Uh-huh. They have no problem waiting um, because there's there is that. Um, there, there's that trust there's that familiar face there's the you know the culture familiarity right. um so they'll wait as long as they have mm-hmm. to to and it could be a silly question yeah. you know it could be what time do you guys close you yeah. know um it could be anything like that but they'll they'll be happy to wait well you know it was a smart move for them to hire you uh, <laughs> because you, because uh you are a familiar face and you're a staple within our community in yeah. your own right you talk we talked a little bit about you know having you know success stories like yeah you know, that immigrant that migrated to the United States, you saw their struggle, then they progressed, yep. then they bought their first house, and yep. then they, they opened their first business, et cetera, et cetera. Yep, sure. And that's what the American dream is all about. Yeah. This is that's the fundamental of this yeah. country. Tell me a little bit about what taught you at a young age to, you know, take care of your financial uh, yeah. financial responsibilities. I mean, I'll be honest, I was it wasn't perfect. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as I mentioned, I was a young dad. Yeah. Um, so we definitely had our moments of struggle. Right. Uh, thankfully, every year it seems like even if it's one percent, mm-hmm. we're a little bit better than the than the previous year. Right. So I'm thankful for that. Um, as far as my education with money growing up, mm-hmm. I was taught, you know, from a very early age that you pay everything with cash. Mm-hmm. Like that was just <laughs> that was just like I yeah. never ever saw my parents take out a credit card. Like right. it, it just wasn't a thing. And yeah, that was like the foundation right you know save your money save as much as you can and cash. anything that you buy you're paying cash yeah that was the that was don't like accumulate that don't, don't accumulate that exactly it, uh, um i can tell you a funny story actually yeah. <laughs> um i graduated college mm. and i you know i got a job here at triangle and my previous job before triangle mm. i was living at home i was making decent money i was able to save mm-hmm. you know a couple bucks and when I left that job and started working at Triangle and, you know, I was, I was what, 21, 20 mm-hmm. years old around there when I started there. And the first thing my parents said is like, hey, what's your balance on your, on your school loans? Yeah. And I told them and they're like, all right, here's half. Well, you already have more than the other half. Yeah. You need to pay that off this week. And it wasn't, they weren't, they weren't advising me. Yeah, they, they were, were telling, telling me wow. that I needed to pay off. My mom stood over my shoulder yeah. as I paid that loan off. <laughs> I remember like it was yesterday. Now you're uh, not taking a trip with this money. <laughs> you're not exactly. So <laughs> yeah. their whole thing is don't pay, pay as little interest as you can. Yeah. And pay pay everything in cash. Yeah. So it, it was one of those memories where I just have my mom over my computer desk. Yeah. She's like, go ahead and pay it off. I'm going to stay here until you pay it. Man, you that's know? so awesome. Yeah. That, that, Which know, to, at the time, yeah. by the way, I was I was like, come on, you know, this is my money. And now I'm like, thank you. Yeah. For sure. You know, I'm so thankful for that right. because it, it would have definitely made hard, life harder these last, you know, eight, ten years. Right. It would have definitely made it a little harder. First of all, that's an amazing story. Shout out to your mom. Yeah, for sure. Hard workers that are able to provide something, Mm -hmm. a special moment that will set you up for the future. And now that you have two beautiful daughters, we'll set them up for the future. For sure, yeah. That See, like, for me, I had my mom. She came here. My mom, my dad, he was a business owner at at, at an early age when he came from Brooklyn. He was a handyman. But my mom, she worked in um, multiple factories, you know, growing up and um, transitioning. And I never got, you know, I love my mom. She's probably listening, but (laughs) it's not her fault. But I never was taught financial 
responsibility at it. I mean, yes, but to a certain degree. For sure. You pay everything on time. Again, yep. you pay everything with cash. Yep. Don't take out any credit cards. Mm -hmm. You're going to get yourself in debt mm -hmm. and make sure that you're um, make sure that you're saving your money. For sure. Now, as as a young adult, you know, I fall victim to what they should have said was, listen, maybe take out one credit card. Yeah. Don't use more than half. Mm -hmm. Credit is everything. Yeah. Cash is cash. Cash is king. Cash is king. Yeah. But at the end of the day, um, if you don't use it right, it's depreciating value. For sure. For sure. And and I would definitely agree that that, that situation definitely wasn't taught right. to me personally. Um, credit is everything mm -hmm. as far as, you know, they, they, while they paid everything with cash later in my life, as I started, you know, getting older and had, you know, my first job, they did start talking to me about credit and how important it is to, that you need it, you know, to buy a house. That was, right. that's like the, like you mentioned, that's the American dream for Absolutely. people in our community. When they come here, their goal is to buy a house. Like there's so much pressure. Right to buy a house. I don't, mm -hmm. it's one of those things where like by any means necessary, they mm -hmm. need to buy a house. Like yeah. in their minds, that is their, that is their success. Mm -hmm. Stick your roots. You know, exactly. The foundation. Like I did this, I right. bought this, Right. you know, that, you know, so yeah, I mean, credit is everything for sure. Right. So they, they did teach me that, um, mm -hmm. as I got a little older. Because they were learning on the way too. For sure. You know, and, and so was my mom and so was my parents, you know, they were learning. My dad, he was the one that would always carry cash. Yeah. Lots of money. Yeah. You know, at, in, the Brooklyn, in the Brooklyn days, like plumber, handyman, back in the 90s, mm -hmm. 80s, 90s, my dad would carry cash. Yeah. Three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, job would come back, stacks of cash. Yeah. And I wish now more than ever, I had a, a mentor at a younger age in my 19, 20, to be able to say, hey, listen, I didn't learn until I was forced in that position. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Because yeah. like I, hear, I, hear I was, uh, again, how we fall into a stigma of having a nice house. Mm -hmm. Make sure that when you're working, you drive a nice car. Yeah. You're progressing in, um, in moving forward. Yeah. And, and these are the fruits of my labor. Yeah. These are the items that show me that I'm progressing. It feels good. But at the end of the day, again, some of our visions are misconstrued yeah you know and and i want to emphasize that because um sometimes your progressions are putting you farther in debt yeah and you're not balancing you're out not even. you're not even they think it's only 200 bucks a month right you know for that car for that yeah. lease you know that's 200 dollars. 200 dollars. yeah at the end of the day the account, it's, yeah. it's not it's not a lot of money 200 yeah. bucks but Take that $200 and invest it, Yeah, you know, and, and multiply that over the term of your car loan or your lease and right. you'll have more. In fact, uh, and by the way, that car that you just bought yeah. is depreciating in value. Absolutely. So you buy, you know, it, they say what loses five, 10,000 mm -hmm. as soon as you drive it off the lot. Yeah. So that's what they don't realize. And right. it's something that for sure is not, it's not told to us. Right. Taught. Taught to us. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Um, it's not taught to us at an yeah. early age, right. especially as immigrants. You know, mm -hmm. like they, my dad, I, I can't even tell you if he graduated high school. Yeah. I, 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 I would imagine he didn't. Yeah. And same with my mom. You know, right. they didn't come here with too much of an education. Exactly. Yeah. Barely any money in their same. pocket, and they, they just learned as they progressed. Right. You know. So we we're breaking that we're breaking those barriers in that chain for sure. That we we're grateful. Yeah. But we understand, and we're now what the American dream was taught to them from afar, from, from the outside looking in yep. is not what really is here. My sure. mentors, I have mentors like you probably have yep. mentors that, you know, that are probably millionaires and that they're the most humblest. Mm -hmm. I have a mentor that's a multimillionaire drives a, a Honda civic. Yeah. You know, I go to a meeting with him. I'm driving a, you know, probably like a four or five year old Audi. Yeah. It's like, Oh, nice car. And then I see him and I'm like, Something's off. Yeah. <laughs> Something's off. You For know sure. what I'm saying? And um, I had a little cousin called me yesterday and he goes, Hey, I know that you and your wife drive Audis. And I was thinking about getting a, a GTR and, and an Audi a, uh, RS7. And, and or or an Audi. Or or, oh, okay, or right. an Audi AS, RS7. And I said to myself, I'm like, 
let's let's look at your financial situation. A younger me would be like, get an Audi. Yeah. I love driving that. For sure. But now uh, I'm reconsidering. Yeah. I'm reconsidering. I'm readjusting, should yeah. I say, because of everything that's going on. And even before then. And then I I I um I talked to him and I said, All right, let's look at your financial situations. Are you still living at so and so's and you're renting this space? It's like, yeah. How much do you pay there? You pay X amount. If you get this vehicle, you'll be paying more on this vehicle than you pay on your rent. That's irresponsible. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Then my wife's next to me and she goes, he probably got a raise or his girlfriend got a raise because they live together. Mm -hmm. They probably got a raise and they're maximizing their income. Yeah. And then I'm I'm saying- Mistake number one. Exactly. So I'm saying to myself, what do you mean by that? Well, she goes, because I I learned a lot from her because she grew up in a different upbringing. Her dad was a financial broker. He's a numbers guy. He was a numbers guy. And her mom was the same. There was like a yin and yang balance at the household. But she was automatically tight budget money. This is what we got to do. This is where it's coming from. This is like I was listening to some of your podcasts. And and I love what you guys talk about. And I'm learning still during this day. And we're always learning. You know, and about the financial spreadsheet. And even though you're not married and you live together, you're still together. Having a conjoint bank account and and holding each other accountable of where the money's going and budgeting it out and et cetera, et cetera. She goes, they probably got a raise. And did you know that it takes less than 60 days for you to maximize your your income? Mm. And I was like, what do you mean by that? Well, if they got a raise, they're already looking at a brand new car. Yeah. And they're going backwards. Yeah. That's not the way to do it. And I said, I I mean, God, I never thought about it that way. Because sometimes you and we fall victim to that progression, especially as first-gen Americans. We fall victims into like. I'm progressing. Yeah. This is who I am. Yeah. Look at my nice car. Look at my house. Look at the jewelry. Yeah. Or look at what I or look at these vacations that yeah. I, that I I have somebody reach out and I at no expert am a financial advisor. Yeah. I'm still learning during the way. Same you know? here, man. And um, I have some people like, Oscar, I, I see that you have nice things. How do you do it? I'm like, well, we budget. You know, mm-hmm. I, I never live beyond my means, but sometimes just a little bit. My wife, my wife is probably listening to, I become a little reckless. I'm like, yeah, let's get this. You yeah, know, let's yeah, get yeah, that. Yeah. But I we always all have find those a way. moments. Exactly. Yeah, with, yeah. But it, it just feels good. But as Hispanics, we have it even more because we fall victim to the, that American dream by the, by the biggest house, by the nice car, pay your bills with cash. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when you pay with cash, you don't hold a credibility. Yeah. And by that, you don't establish credit. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how to react to that. You know, um, <laughs> I mean, that's, uh, is it true? What did you say? Like, I mean, you've seen, you seen clients come in, right? Yeah. And you've seen them start from nothing. Yeah. And then establish. I've seen that so many times. I mean, yeah. it's one of the, it's at the, right now, I don't work directly with our members anymore. Right, right. Um, and I miss a lot of them dearly. Mm-hmm. But uh, there was, you know, a good, three or four years when I first started at Triangle where I was one-on-one with members all the time. And it was so awesome to see, you know, that first year when I started at Triangle, seeing um, people who just got here from another country and they had nothing. Mm -hmm. They're making minimum wage. They're, you know, they they come in every week with their check and they deposit it. They take a little bit for themselves for the week and, and whatnot. And then you fast forward mm-hmm. two or three years later, and in that time, they've purchased, you know, a starter vehicle. Right. You know, they got a loan for that mm-hmm. to establish that credit. Got it. They, you know, got a, maybe a, a small personal loan for 500 bucks. They didn't need the $500. They just wanted to establish that credit. Right. And they would pay that loan off every month mm-hmm. on the month and, you know, get their credit up. And then three or four years later, their credit is established. Yeah. They're maybe making a little bit more money. Mm-hmm. They saved some money at the same time. Right. And they're ready to buy a home. And I, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, yeah. that's their dream. That's what they want. They Their ultimate goal is to yeah. buy that house so that they can leave something for their children. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so I see that all the time. I've seen it many times. And it's one of those, it's just, it's it's an awesome experience that you had a hand in helping them achieve that absolutely you educating know, them educating them for sure because they come in and they're like 
I want to start credit. How do I do it? Right. You know, so. Especially within a culture that's too pride, too pride, yeah, prideful to ask for help. Exactly, yeah, you yeah. know, and uh, that again, that that goes back to that familiar face and and connecting with with our community and and breaking those barriers and, mm-hmm. and teaching. Um, we we're still learning. We're, yeah. st- we're still learning throughout the our our venture within trying to achieve that American yeah. dream and and to making sure that we're staying true to ourselves and we are our own worst critics of mm-hmm. our actions. Yeah, and um, but I I. It's humbling to to see, you know, that the American dream is a- achieved, and you had something to do with it, yeah. with the majority probably right. of within our community, and a lot right. of great staples that are within that that banking system, right. you know, right. because w- sometimes we do fall victim of of that stereotype within banks and corporations and yeah. trying to take my money and yep, no, yep. I, I don't. Um, I mean, the stigma is that immigrants have their money under their mattress. Exactly, and all that, right, and right. That might have been true years ago, but yeah. I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily the case now so how do you feel growing up with with the success of what your parents have adopted to you like Mm -hmm. you know you have to come to you have to grow up be a successful doctor or a lawyer and make that sacrifice and all your financial um situation would be left behind what what would you tell somebody that's falling into that (sighs) i mean the first i mean to answer your question i think the especially if you have the the luck of already speaking the language, right. you know, that's already, that's the hardest part in my opinion, just right. speaking the language. If you have that, the next thing you need to focus on is what are you passionate about? Right. What do you, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. Because the mistake that a lot of people make myself mm-hmm. included have made is that you look for the biggest paycheck. Right. You look for that. Who's going to pay me the most money mm-hmm. for the least amount of work? Right. Like what do I have to do to get the most amount of money mm-hmm. for the least amount of work? And unfortunately, that's once you let's say, you know, you're making decent money, but you hate your job. Uh, That's not a way to live, man. I mean, I would rather do something that I love doing and make a little bit less money, but I'm happy. I come home to my kids and I'm happy. I'm not taking it out on them. I'm not taking it out on my wife. Uh I'm not upset all day or or, or when those Sunday scaries creep up, you know, you're (laughs) like, oh, my God, I got to go to work tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. So. The Monday blues. Yeah, the Monday blues. <laughs> so that's the you have to definitely figure out what you're passionate about right. and focus on that. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. But. Absolutely, because I, I I'm I'm a big advocate to that. I yeah. will not, especially with again, you know, going back mm-hmm. to our culture. Um, sometimes we suffer in silence. Yeah, for you sure. Know, can you imagine doing what our parents did? When we first came oh, here, those I those t- twelve hour days yeah. at a manufacturing company I, that was so were so tedious, yeah. and just doing the consistent thing over yep. and over, and then we're deep thinkers, mm-hmm. we're overthinkers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I you know overthink just about everything. So you know, I hear you on that. I, I could tell because yeah. your your analytics on how to maneuver numbers and yep. and you know and being. I heard some of your podcasts on yeah. on how to financially. You're overthinking. You yeah. think ten steps ahead. I'm the same way. Right. And to be able to have that mindset and to try to connect and i would never sacrifice my mental health for a paycheck yeah yeah you know i i can i can never i've i've opened i've opened businesses yeah. brick and mortars where the business was a good idea but the partnerships was terrible yeah i've i've left everything behind for my mental health right absolutely yeah i've recovered and i'm thankful as as probably you are that my parents sacrificed their mental health yeah, and their stability to be able to provide for us. It's insane. I mean, I'm looking at today with the opportunities that we have mm-hmm. with the technology, with the internet, everything that they didn't really have back then, yeah. like in the '90s and the early 2000s. And rain, sleet, or snow, they were up and they were going to work. Like it didn't matter what right. the weather was like. It didn't matter in my, you know particularly my parents' situation, they could have been sick and they they still went to work. Right. I, I've been working from home since March. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a different challenge, right. you know, doing what I do. But the last seven months, eight months almost, I've spent more time with my kids than I would have otherwise. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because now my daughter's home and I'm doing the whole school thing with her. Yeah. And I'm working from home and my young daughter's with me and my mom is home, so I have an opportunity to bring my daughter to my mom's house where yeah. she can come pick her up. You know, 
that would have never flew back then right. for them. Um, and it's because they sacrificed so that I could have a better life. Mm. Because now I have a decent job that gives me the opportunity with the technology and everything that I need mm. to be able to work from home and have that flexibility. So doing what they do, doing what my dad does mm. now, like it's just not possible. Like he needs to be at work. Mm. And so do a lot of people. Um, so let me ask you a, a question, diving into your profession. Yeah. Um, you know, you growing up all your life here, mm-hmm. being the, the first Hispanic, did you ever feel like you had to, to switch code or meaning water down your Latino part in order to fit in into that industry? Into, into the banking industry yeah, yeah. or in, in growing general, up in general? In general, either growing up or more, more so in your profession. In my profession, no. I mean, like I said, uh, Triangle has done a fantastic job at diversifying our workforce. Mm-hmm. So, er, and we're encouraged even more so now to, you know, be ourselves. Right. You know, Triangle speaks twenty-something languages, I think, nice. as far as our workforce goes. And outside of that, um, there haven't been too many instances where I had to not be myself. Yeah. You know, I, I. It's weird. I mean, I went to. Growing up in school, yeah. there wasn't that many Hispanics. Right. There was a couple of us, and we kind of just got together. Like right. that was our our group, and mm-hmm. there was a lot of um, you know, uh, white kids who who welcomed us into right. their into their group. So mm-hmm. we we all became friends, and yeah. that was awesome to see. It was, like I never really felt like I was being treated differently just because I spoke a different language mm-hmm. or my uh, color mm-hmm. of skin or anything like that. Um, like I said in school, I, I never, I never got anything that I didn't deserve. Right. I guess as far as I know, I mean, uh-huh. for all I know, I don't know, yeah. you know. But I definitely was blessed with great teachers. the The system was the school system was uh, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, can't really complain on that front. From from your own experience, do you feel like the Latino community needs to be uh, more productive with finance uh, finances? And speaking about money? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think the, I don't really hear too many, the word investing yeah. didn't really exist in yeah. my household. I don't know about yours. No. Um, when I, when I heard the word invest, it was more about investing in businesses. Right. Like that was, that was open what you invested own, open in. Your open business. your own business. Brick and mortar. Yeah, exactly. That was investing mm-hmm. to me growing up. Right. And it wasn't until, you know, late into my twenties that I discovered, you know, this whole world of investing exactly, in stocks right. and bonds and right. and now Bitcoin. And yeah, I'm yeah. like, what is this? Like, right. I had no idea about this. Same, yeah. So I would say that that's the, that's one of the things that we hopefully will, will change growing up as we, as the community all over this country really progresses right. that they don't just think about a business and, and that's cool, by the way. Mm-hmm. If you want to open a business, Absolutely. you know, go for it. Absolutely. Research, but, research, but there, research. Exactly. But there are other opportunities to invest your money. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a business. You could still have your nine to five and, right. you know, you could be making income on the side as well. Right. Um, whether it be, again, through stocks or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, so I think that's a, that's a word that isn't necessarily used the correct way. Mm. Um, or to its fullest potential, I should right. say. Let me let me correct that. It's mm-hmm. not used to its fullest potential. Uh, investing to my dad yeah. is probably opening a business. It's uh, not like he does. He does. He knows nothing about stocks or the right. stock market or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and if he did, I don't know if he'd mm-hmm. trust it. Like he'd be like, I don't want to lose my money. Like right. uh, you know, it's a, it's a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. And he'd be probably one of those guys. I'm like, no, I lost too much money. Take it all out. Yeah. You know. But you have to ride that wave. You know that. <laughs> I I've been in I've been investing money um, with my wife and myself. I, I actually got a mentor in finances and and I've been investing my money for I would say about eight years now. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> a lot of people don't really know what I do, and they mm-hmm. always question like, "All right, Oscar's getting this, Oscar's getting that," in the most humblest way because I'm I I, I like to work. Before I like to work hard for my money mm-hmm. because I was taught that, but yeah. now I like my money to work for me. Correct. So. With this mentor, 
I reach out and I say, well, how did you, because I'm, I'm not prideful. Like I'm, I'm able to blend into anybody with anybody to be able to observe and learn yeah. and grow. Yeah. And I, I talked to my mentor and she goes, well, the first thing is if you're really serious about it and you need to bring me X amount of money. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm saying to myself, oh, here we go. Another investor that's trying to hustle, you, yeah. hustle me, you yeah, know, yeah. and that's when the Spanish kicked in. Nah, yeah. nah, maybe I should just go back and put my money in a savings or stick it under the mattress. Yeah. And then she goes, I work with a uh, nonprofit organization called National Children's Home and there's, they're in dire need, you know, and um, still to this day they because of the pandemic. But this was back in a couple of eight years ago. Yeah. And she goes, well, uh, you know, we're, we're doing a fundraiser. I go to GM and I talk to them um, and then they sign a check and mm-hmm. it goes back to the National Children's Home. Oh, yeah. How much do they give? Oh, they give X amount of dollars. She goes, one second. Takes out a checkbook. Writes me a check. And I said, I was like, and National Children's Home. Who do I make it out to? National Children's Home? Yeah, absolutely. She writes a check to the National Children's Home for X amount of dollars. Yeah. And I say to myself, how much do I have to bring here? Because I was so, like, the fact that she had the money just to be fired like. Fired you up, yeah. It fired me up. I, yeah. That's what I want to do. Yeah. I'm, I'm all about giving back. Yeah. So if I have the financial resources to be comfortable and to give back, so be it. Let's, yeah. go, let's go. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Um, so that motivated me more than ever. Yeah. It's not somebody that's gloating and say, well, I'm a multimillionaire. These are the properties that I have. This is where I go. This is where I go on vacation. This is. Right. It's about what you can do with that to help others. Yeah. That really, she she know how to trigger me. Right. So I, I, I went. She said, you need X amount of dollars. Back in two weeks, I said, honey, this is what we're doing. Let's go. Let's pitch in. Yeah. We threw in some money. And, you know, luckily, we, I encourage everybody to get a mentor, a financial mentor. Yeah. yeah. I encourage everybody to do that. And, For sure. And, and that's what motivated me. And and luckily, we're blessed to... We're not where we want to be. We yeah. never we never are yeah. because we always want yeah. more. It's a never-ending Ex- journey. Exactly. Yeah. But we're we're blessed to to um to have the opportunity that we have and we're still adjusting to this yeah. day you know yeah speaking of giving back i mean i think that's one of the things that i certainly wasn't taught yeah to give back right like exactly. you know i it wasn't you know after i started i was forced mm-hmm. to become responsible with money right. um becoming a dad and all mm-hmm. that it wasn't until then that i started actually reading books and and going on the internet and finding out what are these people doing? Like, how do I, what do I do with my money? How do I uh, save it? How do I uh, spend it? You know, what what are the best practices? And a common theme was among many of the most, many of the most, uh, what's the word? Um, Financial financial gurus? No, no, uh, man, slipped my mind. Um, Successful, sorry. Successful people out there. Um, A common theme between them was, the giving back. Right. And I'm like, what? Yeah. How do you make money by giving back? You know? So I started learning that and I'm like, huh, they're onto something, you know, they're, they're giving back their money to organizations or even like what I'm trying to do now, like is if I'm at Dunkin' Donuts, picking up a coffee for the wife or whatever, I'll try to listen to the person behind me and I'm like, all right, what are they ordering? All right. Eh, that's not too much. I'll yeah, pay for the order, exactly. you know? It's 10 bucks, whatever. Yeah, I'll yeah, pay yeah. for the order. That's nice. Man. You know, that's just one of those little things that you can do to... Those ripple effects. That yeah, those ripple impact. effects. And yeah. you never know what... That person mm-hmm. might have just lost yeah. somebody in their family. Mm-hmm. They might have just had a crappy day. Yeah. And you don't know them. Right. You're never going to see them. I mean, I don't stop to say, hey, did you get the coffee? You know? Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> Gloating. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know how it affects them, but I know how it affects me. Right. You know, and yeah. I'm happy to do that for somebody, just paying mm-hmm. it back. And hopefully they pay it back. Yeah. I'm I'm a big I'm a big believer in that of an equal balance in the universe where you you receive something good. Yeah. So make somebody else's day better. Right. For sure. And um I'm I'm a big and I, I, I maybe that's why we're blessed. My wife, she she believes in that as well. But she's seen a lot of situations where because we're in a in a okay financial situation yeah. where the stigma is like you got a nice car you got a you know, you got a nice house um you you drive nice cars you're doing great can you lend me some money yeah you know and we sometimes in our culture we fall victims into that because yeah. you kind of as first gen we feel guilty if our parents are not in a good standing yep. situation and you're better yeah 
or sometimes you feel entitled because we are um what was the word that I was uh that I saw the other day? We're providers mm-hmm. within our own families yeah. that are we feel obligated that because we are in a financial situation that we need to help others. So at the same time, I was I, I said to myself, well, man, that that's absolutely right, of course. Yeah. But I, then again, my wife is like, you're enabling them. Mm. You're enabling them. Well, what do you mean? I, this is our duty. Like we're yeah. okay. We need to help. No, you're enabling them. Yeah. Teach them. Yeah. To be in our position. Don't help them. Right. Because again, it falls stigma into that when you come to America, they got these services where they pay for this, they yeah. pay for that, they yeah. you know, and then you can make a little extra income and cash is king. So yeah. they you know some some you, if you don't report it, they don't know out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. We fall victim into that. Yeah. And I said to myself, Wow, you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely right. So now we're in a position as we're learning to teach others. Yeah. To put them in a better position yeah. because we grow together. Yeah, for sure. As a unit. And that you know that reminds me my parents came here with nothing. Right. And I'm probably a little better off than they were at my age right. now, you know. How what what they were like at 30 years old or whatever. And that was their goal. Right. Their goal was to give me that leg up you know and my job is to give my daughters a leg up absolutely and i'm noticing that because my daughters are asking questions well not my daughters because my young one she's three she don't she don't really care too much about anything (laughs) like that but my seven-year-old she's asking questions that i'm like i wasn't asking that at seven years old give me an example for example like she'll ask business questions like how does how does how does it make money or why are there three grocery stores? And I talked to her about the competition between right. the grocery stores. Yeah. I'm like, well, you know, they, they compete. Right. And so they're like, so whoever makes the most money? And I'm like, mm. yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what the game is, right. you know. Competition is healthy. Sometimes. Yeah, competition is healthy. And they're like, huh. And she's like, huh. And I'm like, why are you asking? Yeah. She's like, well, I just, first of all, she, <laughs> she's funny. She wishes everybody... Everything was free. Like yeah. she wishes that you didn't have to pay for anything. Right, know? right, right. So that's the innocence. In yeah, for sure. So she, um, she tells me she's like, so if you start a business, you can make money and you can pay for things. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, like it's really that simple. Right. Like it's it's a little more it's a little harder than that. Yeah, yeah. In it's the a little bit more complex. It's a little but... bit more complex, but that's that's the game. Yeah. You know. And I'm just like blown away because I was not asking these questions at seven years right. old. And I don't know if it's... We were asking these questions 10 years ago. Yeah, we were asking ago. these questions just <laughs> yesterday in, right, my, right. in my situation. Right, right. I'm like, oh, I'm just learning this now. And right. you're already asking it. Yeah. So I feel like the fruits of my parents' labor mm. and combined with the fruits of my labor are hopefully setting her up to be yeah. on that next rung on that yeah. ladder, you know? And hopefully her kids and mm. their kids. And hopefully it's just a nice progression up, mm-hmm. you know? So, Yeah. That's excellent, man. I, I, yeah. I love to I love to see. I mean, it must <clears throat> excuse me. It must feel it, it, you know, to to see those questions being asked. It's like yeah. you're doing the right thing. You're in you're in the right direction. You're encouraging, yeah. you're educating, and you're motivating right. for a better future for your family. And that I think that that's important. I think that it's our duty to do that. It's our duty to make sure that we don't forget our family sacrifices yeah. and to for the second generation to give them a leg up. Yeah. You know, and um of course, there are family members, you know, mm-hmm. there are within our own circle that love to see us do good, but never better than them. Yeah. So we become crabs in a bucket yep. because of the envious lifestyle. But I feel and the people that are still the same people that will ask you for a handout mm-hmm. will bite your hand at the end and say, hey, listen, um, I love what you're doing, but how did you do it? And, and, and sometimes in our culture, what we need to educate our people and what we need to and what we need to do is un- understand them that we can't help them all the time, but we can put them in a position where we've learned and, and, and established that not only for our kids, but for other family members yeah. to be able to grow together, right. because I think that that's the most important thing. And I love the fact that you're connecting with the community you've connected yeah. within the community and, and you've seen you are a true staple of, of, of the American dream and yeah. you're in 
and you are educating yeah. the next generation that are coming in, the, the immigrants that are coming yeah. in <clears throat> at, to, to achieve that American uh, dream. And that's For admirable, sure. especially being a staple, you know, being the first Dominican family within the community. And, and when you speak, you speak in the most humblest way about your upbringing and about your yeah. struggles, too. And, and um, that's admirable. Yeah, thank you. Talk, talk to me a little bit about um, working at, at Credit Union. And within the podcast and what, what uh, motivated you guys to What led to that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I was, um, you know, I've had the awesome fortune, I guess, to to be, you know, working in different departments within Triangle. You mm. know, like I said, I started within, within the teller. Mm. I was a teller. Mm. Then I went into member services, opening uh, accounts, mm. starting loans for people. And I did IT for a couple of years yeah. within, the, within the credit union. Nice. So... I've I've had my my hand in a lot of departments, right. which is uh, which is great. And I, right now I'm in marketing, nice. uh, marketing and e-commerce. So basically, what I do is um, the whole website. Mm-hmm. You know, make sure that that's up to par and make right. sure that that's where it needs to be. Uh, a lot of the ser- the electronic services that the members use nice. uh, with online banking, mobile banking, all that good stuff. Nice. I'm kind of the manager for that. Um, and then the podcast. When I came into the department, that was, if I remember correctly, it was almost something that was about to get started. Mm-hmm. It was in the early stages. And I've always been a fan of podcasts. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like, how can I help? What can I do? You know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, they invited me to become a, a, a co-host. And I'm like, nice. I wasn't expecting that. I'm like, all right, you know, for sure. Yeah. So shout out to Terry on yeah. that, if you're listening. Um, so that was awesome to mm-hmm. get invited onto that. And at first we were recording um, kind of like monthly episodes. Yeah. So we were putting out an episode every month and, you know, we're, we're progressing and, and, and downloads are going up and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, but we wanted to, we had a goal for this year, as a matter of fact. And we actually just yesterday, as a matter of fact, we mm-hmm. got the email that we surpassed that goal of, of number of downloads for the podcast. And one of the things nice. that helped with that. Yeah. Thank you. So one of the things that helped with that was um, going from monthly to weekly, right. like, let's let's up the volume mm-hmm. of episodes and we did it in what i feel like was the most simplest way um so our traditional episodes were you know 30 minutes or so and the now that we're doing it weekly we're still doing the 30 minute episodes but the weekly episodes are like five to ten minutes on just simple money tips nice so just a quick tip on how you can better your financial situation and what is that uh what is that podcast called one more time it's a uh, making money personal nice dude and and where can anybody reach you out if they have any questions or they want to talk about the podcast yeah i mean i mean i'm all over social yeah. um, but uh on a personal level you yeah. can get me on instagram facebook whatever i'll put your link in the bio uh, yeah for sure and then uh if you have any questions about you know financial in triangle as a, as a company yeah. i could definitely help you and if i can't get you the answer i could i'll be happy to point you in the right direction ladies and gentlemen our guest today wilmer infante an awesome staple within our community with his podcast at triangle credit union go check him out thank you for coming in it was amazing uh touching base with you and and learning a little bit about you thank you man and congratulations on the show thank you so much